Well, before we get to God's provision for our shepherding in our home and our church, I just want to quickly remind us of the vision of our Cornerstone ministry. We've gone through it many times before, but it's just always good to be reminded uh, from Ephesians uh, chapter 2, 19 through 22, uh, also Matthew chapter 5, uh, 24, where it's or it's Matthew chapter 7, 24, where it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, right? And from Ephesians, we know that the church, as the work of God, is being joined and built together such that it grows in holiness and in unity in Christ. And as the divine architect and builder, God has not only provided the blueprint, but he's also provided the building block of the church. And where does it begin? Well, it begins with Christ, who is the cornerstone, right? What we read in our scripture reading this morning, that the stone that the builders rejected has become, what, the cornerstone, right? And the person of Christ, the work of Christ, the spirit of Christ, his presence amongst us, it's what sets the direction and sets the foundation for the whole structure. And on top of that is built the foundation, it says, of the apostles and the prophets. And how would you characterize their ministry? Thus says the Lord, right? It's the ministry of the word, right? And these prophets in the Old Testament, right? These apostles in the new, they served as God's messengers, his mouthpieces for his word to his people, right? So Christ is the cornerstone. The ministry of the word is what he has supplied for this organism, organism, I was going to say organization, it's not an organism called the church. It's an active process. It's a dynamic process that this church grows in unity and holiness in Christ, built upon Christ and his word. And so in Christ and his word, we've been given everything that we need for life and godliness for this church, but also for our homes so that we might grow in unity and that we might grow in holiness. But in order to have its intended effect and benefit in our lives, as well as in the lives of others, the study of God's word cannot merely be an intellectual exercise or an academic pursuit, right? Doctors MacArthur and Dr. Mayhew makes this point in their book, In Biblical Doctrine, that while it begins with informing our minds, our reading, our hearing, our studying, our meditating, our memorizing of God's word, is not fully finished until it has stirred our affections and prompted our will to act in obedience to its content, right? It starts in our minds, but it has to stir our affections, right? This is not robotic. This is not mechanical, right? It's out of our love for Christ, our savior for what he's done, what he's doing, what he promises to do that stirs our affection to obey him, right? And that's what Mark talked about this morning. That's what we see in Romans chapter one, where Paul says, I'm here to bring about what? The obedience of faith, right? And it's consistent with Jesus' great commission to his disciples in Matthew 28, right? What did he say there, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, how? By teaching them all I have commanded you? Or by teaching them to observe? all that I have commanded you, right? So this, is, this idea of obedience and of living out his word is really what's called for. 
And that's the heart of this cornerstone ministry, right? That as we rightly hear, as we rightly study, as we rightly understand his word, we would rightly apply it by faith. It begins in our hearts, extends to our homes, to this church, and to the world. Can I have my next slide? And I've mentioned this before, this semester we're going to visit what it means, revisit what it means to shepherd, uh, to be a shepherd leader in the home, right? And it's an area that your elders and your leaders felt that as our kids get older and as our church continues to grow, that we ourselves need to keep growing in our, as well, right? Our families are not where we were eight years ago, let alone what we, where we were a year ago. And it's an area that I personally need to grow in as well. Right? I'm certainly no expert in this, but after all these years, I'm still getting to know Becky. I'm still getting to know the boys as they grow, you know, what each of their weaknesses are, strengths, what their struggles, their fears, their desires. And each are different in their own right. Yet the call to shepherd them remains the same. On top of that, I'm realizing how I've shepherded, how I've shepherded in the past has often been and still sometimes is man-centered. You know, I've needed to repent of how my shepherding was reactive rather than proactive, more practical than biblical in my shepherding. And even if you're not currently married or have children, the biblical truths and principles related to shepherding carry over to relationships in the local church, which is the household of God. Whether you're our leader or a member of a discipleship group, we ought to understand what God expects of the leaders and members of his flock. And ultimately, to grow as a shepherd leader is to become more like Christ, who is our good shepherd. He doesn't just command us to shepherd our wife and kids and members of our discipleship group. He shepherds us and gives us an example to follow. And we know from passages like Psalm 23 and John 10, which we read earlier, that Christ laid down his life for his sheep. He knows us. He leads us. He protects us. He provides for us as his precious flock. And having been shepherded by the chief shepherd, we are called to do the same in our home and in our church as his under-shepherds. Right. So in the end, this applies to all of us, regardless of our position in the church, our marital status, whether we have kids or not. In this semester in Cornerstone, we're going to hope to cover various aspects of shepherding. But for this morning, I want to start with the big picture. Right? It's simply an application of everything we've been learning from his word on Sundays, even in Lagos this past Wednesdays. And what's that? Can I have my next slide? Right big picture is that Christ calls us to shepherd our home and our church with the gospel through the power and sufficiency of the cross. Christ calls us to shepherd our home and his church with the gospel through the power and sufficiency of the cross. And when we consider this main point, it begs the following questions. First, what does it mean to shepherd according to God's word? Right? And depending on who you ask, different ideas come to mind of what shepherding is. But second, what are we to shepherd our home and our church with? Okay, And we all shepherd in some way or another. But what does God call us to shepherd our homes and his household with? And thirdly, 
Where do we turn to for wisdom and strength in our shepherding? Right? What resource do we turn to? What do we lean upon? And we'll dive into these points in more detail over the next few months. But this morning, I want to simply set the stage if, for us. Right? Christ calls us to shepherd our home and church. That's the first point, right? In our contemporary 21st century society, we've moved away from this shepherding model of discipleship. Some would say we've sort of evolved from that. And it's unfortunate because we miss out on God's heart and his desire for his people. But shepherding appropriately describes Christ's relationship with us and our relationship with those whom he has called us to care for in our home and in our church. And when we go to the scriptures, it's full of references to shepherding. Do you, any of you guys recall any prominent shepherds in the Old Testament? You guys can call it out. David. Anyone else? Pastor Mark mentioned someone earlier in his sermon too. Abraham. Good. Before that, Cain and Abel. Anyone else? Coat of many colors. Joseph, his brothers, right? Jacob, Laban, Moses was a shepherd. You remember? Jethro, right? All these shepherds throughout history, right? God makes mention of them, right? And uses them. In Ezekiel 34, Jeremiah 23, God indicts the elders and the leaders of the nation of Israel for what? For failing to specifically, he writes, to shepherd his flock. We're also, we're already familiar with Psalm 23, but also 100 verse, uh, Psalm 100 verse 3, right? Where it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Right? John 21, after Peter had denied the Lord three times, Christ restores him by calling him to do what? To tend and to feed his sheep. First Peter 5, later in his life, after he had been restored to ministry, the apostle Paul turns around and calls the elders to do what? To shepherd the flock of God among them. And though we are far removed from this ancient Near East cultural context into which the scriptures are written, the principles that are embedded in this biblical analogy of shepherding are timeless and is applicable to us today. For our one year anniversary, Becky and I had a chance to go to Israel. This is back in 2013. And driving outside the old city, we would just randomly spot shepherds walking along the side of the road with a bunch of sheep just by their sides. And we just pull over to the side of the road and just stare at them. And they probably thought we were crazy. But if you know anything about sheep, they're not the smartest or the strongest creatures. In fact, they're pretty dumb and they're pretty weak. They lack a sense of direction. That's why they wander. They cannot defend themselves. They need protection. And of all the different animals that God created on days five and six of creation, he chose to identify us as sheep. Not even a camel, not even a hawk, 
poor fish, but a sheep. And God clearly views us as those who are needy, those who are helpless, those who are completely dependent on the shepherd for our well-being. And from this perspective, shepherding our home and our church is about caring comprehensively for the true needs of others, not just their physical needs, but their spiritual needs as well. And ultimately, it's not about giving them what they want or imposing upon them our personal expectations or our preferences, but providing what they truly need according to God's word. And what is it that they ultimately need? Well, this brings us to our next slide, if I can have that. Christ calls us to shepherd our home and church with the gospel. Right? At this church, I'm encouraged to be surrounded by so many of you who are striving to faithfully shepherd your homes. And it's not always easy, and none of us are perfect, but God is always gracious. And in speaking with many of you, one common area that we frequently struggle with and are being sanctified in is what we shepherd our home and our church with. Right? Would you guys agree with that? And what we shepherd with reveals what we believe to be the greatest need and the greatest good for the members of our family and the members of God's household. I'll say that again. What we shepherd with reveals what we believe to be the greatest need and good for the members of our family and God's household. Right? For example, how many of you try to prepare home-cooked meals as opposed to eating out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Right? Why? It's healthier, right? Anybody else? It's cheaper. I knew somebody would say that, right? Cost. But listen, at the end of the day, it's what's healthy, right? And what our family needs to grow physically. What do we believe to be the greatest need and good for our family and for the household of God? And when it comes to our homes, based on common experience, what we shepherd with is mostly a mixed bag. Education extracurricular activities, secular and religious, a biblical worldview, Christian values, ethics, and character, responsibility, discipline, accountability, good study habits, work ethic, morals, and manners. And many of these are good things, and they certainly have some temporal benefit, but ultimately they are not what we are called to shepherd our home and church with. Christ calls us to shepherd those under our spiritual authority and care with his gospel, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, both to Jews and Gentiles. And in shepherding the household of God, the apostle Paul determined to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And even in a church like Corinth, where there are a number of conflicts and problems, not unlike many of our homes, the Apostle Paul did not come in and try to fix problems or control behavior as we might do when our kids are fighting. Instead, he addressed the various issues at hand, including struggles in marriage, division in the church, relationships with unbelievers, by pointing them back to God's work of grace 
in saving sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And though he often started with gospel truth, he didn't just give them a doctrinal dissertation or theological thesis. He ministered to the members of God's household, individually and collectively, by applying the gospel to every situation and relationship. We might sit here and say, well, that's easy for Paul to do. He didn't have to deal with my spouse or my kids. Or what does the gospel have to do with potty trading or getting my kids into college? Well, if that's our response, it reveals our lack of understanding and appreciation for the gospel. How it is the power of God to save from sin those whom we are called to care for and to progressively transform them from one degree of glory to another. Can I get my next slide? In the end, the gospel is God's primary means of grace for shepherding our home and our church. According to 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, also 1 Timothy 4, 6, which you see up here, 16, we're called to impart not only the good news of the gospel, but our very lives that have been transformed by it. In other words, faithful gospel proclamation and living go hand in hand and should be our top priority in shepherding the members of our family in God's household. Right, notice from these verses that our calling is the same, whether our spouse or our children are believers or unbelievers. For the gospel is not simply a message to be shared, but truth to be lived out each day. And as we submit to Christ in every aspect of our lives, we faithfully represent him in every sphere of influence in which he has placed us. With our spouse, our kids, and members of our discipleship groups, there are going to be times in our lives where we need to teach and instruct in the gospel. Other times where we need to reprove, correct, and discipline in the gospel. But there is never a moment where we are exempt from living out the gospel. And it is the work of the gospel in our lives that bears witness in our home, in the church, and in this world to the reality of Christ crucified and resurrected and his lordship over all. So then, is that what you and I believe to be the greatest need and the greatest provision in Christ for our home and our church? With what are we shepherding our family, and the household of God. Finally, God calls us to shepherd our home and his church with the gospel through the power and sufficiency of the cross. The power and sufficiency of the cross. Again, if we were to look at the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, he had every reason for confidence in the flesh. According to Philippians 3, he was circumcised on the eighth day with the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. If anyone was spiritually fit and qualified to shepherd the household of God, it would have been the Apostle Paul. Yet he says in Galatians 6.14, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. On the one hand, Paul recognized that his personal righteousness and religious zeal were 
totally inadequate. On the other hand, he discovered that the power of the cross, which separated him from sin and justified him by faith in Jesus Christ, was more than sufficient for any and every situation. And even while imprisoned under house arrest in Rome, he writes, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How about you and me? But we, or at least I, get upset when our kids don't listen to us or complain when they're still getting up in the middle of the night. We have a hard time when we feel mistreated or disrespected by our wife and kids or when our husband forgets our anniversary. We get anxious when our spouse loses a job or our child gets bullied in school. And certainly the challenges that we face in the home are significant. But listen to some of what the Apostle Paul had to go through, according to 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. And by the way, that's not the same rod that we use to discipline our kids. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentile, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, false teachers in the church, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Wow, what a list. And last but not least, if that were not enough, he writes, apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. You and I struggle with the pressure of shepherding one home and the challenges of shepherding one church. Imagine Paul. He had to deal with all the churches. So how did the Apostle Paul handle such pressure and stress and concerns in his life in the midst of adversity, calamity, persecution? He didn't turn to his past experience, his knowledge, his education, his family background, his religious works or achievements, but he found his sufficiency and his satisfaction in the power of the gospel that was at work in his own life. For that reason, he could rejoice in his suffering and trials and call others to do the same. Now, what does all this have to do with shepherding our home and our church, with difficult spouses, disobedient children, with members of our discipleship group who seem stuck spiritually? Well, there's a principle that we can draw from this. It's that while we are inadequate to shepherd our home and our church, God is able to make all grace abound to us so that having all sufficiency in all things and at all times, we may abound in every good work. All things, all sufficiency, all times, every good work. I mean, there's nothing that doesn't fall under that list. Right? It's the power of Christ that dwells in us and that is perfected in weakness that strengthens us for any and every situation. 
This is what the Apostle Paul had experienced in his own life. And as he held on to this gospel conviction, he prayed for others according to it. If I can get my next slide. Right? Listen again to his prayers for the saints in Ephesus. Right? Ephesians 1. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts in line, so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Or Ephesians chapter 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Right? And this is all according to the power that is at work within us. But where do these powerful prayers of the apostle come from? Well, it flows out of his view of the gospel, that at the end of the day, it is what every member of God's household needs. It's what every member of our homes need. And at the same time, it is also what is sufficient to empower him to care for them. So what about for you and me? Do we see the gospel as necessary and sufficient? Or do we somehow feel that we need more money, more time, more activity, more experience, more education, more discipline in order to adequately shepherd our home? Do we truly believe that God has granted to us in Christ everything we need for life and godliness, including what we need to shepherd our wife, our kids, and members of his household according to his word? Or do we feel that we are lacking and wanting in any way? What are we filling our lives with? And are we availing ourselves to every means of his grace? And husbands, do we pray for God's help to love our wives as Christ loved the church, to shepherd our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Wives, do you pray for God's help to submit to your far from perfect husband as to the Lord? Do we spend time in his word? Understanding that apart from abiding in Christ and his word abiding in us, we can do nothing let alone care for those in our family and in the household of God? Do we see the fellowship of other believers, that is, the local church, as a necessary means of grace for the shepherding of our homes? Or do we see church as competing and taking away from our time with family? When you woke up early this morning to come to church, what were you thinking or praying in your heart? Was it, I am guess I'm I guess I'm required to stay for equipping in order to serve in children's ministry. Or that the greatest need of my wife and kids is that Christ would be formed in me, more of Christ and less of me, 
And to that end, I desperately need to be equipped in God's word so that I might be able to serve and shepherd my family and the members of his household according to his word. Well, as we come to our application, can I get my final slide there? Christ calls us to shepherd our home and his household with the gospel through the power and sufficiency of the cross. First, is the gospel truly good news to you? Does it captivate your heart? Or is it something you're just merely familiar with? Or you get the sense as you read through his epistle to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, the Colossians, as he bursts into continual praise and thanksgiving in recounting the work of the gospel in his life, that the Apostle Paul was so saturated and satisfied with the good news of Jesus Christ that if you were to prick any part of him, the essence of the gospel would flow out of him. It's what motivated him. It's what captivated him. Such that the concerns of this present life paled in comparison. If someone were to prick us, what would flow out of our lives? For what we value most is ultimately what we will share with those whom we love. Is Christ and his gospel what's most dear and precious to us? Or is the obedience of our children or the support of our wife what brings us most satisfaction? In the way that we shepherd them, what would our spouse, our children, and the members of this church say is of greatest worth in our lives? Second, in light of the necessity and sufficiency of the gospel, what do we need to give up or put off in order to pursue gospel shepherding and establish gospel priorities in our homes? Oftentimes, there are good things that distract us from the best thing and compete with what is essential and necessary. Another way to put it is, what, how can we be more devoted to Christ? And finally, to echo Pastor Mark's exhortation for this past Wednesday, let's just be praying that as we go through the book of Romans and Logos, that the Lord will grow not just our knowledge, but also our appreciation and application of the gospel, such that it transforms our hearts, our home, and our church for the glory of God and the shepherding of his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is what we so deeply need to hear, that you are indeed our good shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, who knows our needs, who leads us, protects and provides for us. Lord, and as those who have by faith received your care through the gospel, may we turn around and extend that shepherding to those whom you have placed under our care, those whom you have entrusted to our care, Lord, in our homes and in this church. May we really follow the model of Christ and how he shepherded us through your gospel and to trust in not our works, not our wisdom, not our intellect, not our abilities or experience, but that our sufficiency would be the finished work on the cross. Christ came, he died, he rose again, so that this power would be at work in us, so that we might be useful instruments in your hands to accomplish your purposes in us and through us. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.